This is Sound for the Radio. Welcome to Blaine Radio, music good for the soul. I'm your host, AJ Blaine, and you're now tuned into the third edition of our very own Blaine Radio podcast. Now for today's guest. A golden surprise, perhaps? For the extended family down south, Philly's finest, half Carter, half meme lord, Golden Carter, ladies and gentlemen. My bobbers. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here today, man. Thanks for having me. So how was the drive up, sir? Oh, it was beautiful. Shout out to the Garden State Parkway. And all the builders. Yes, no consequences, no repercussions. <laughs> <laughs> and toes are cheap. Uh, definitely more pleasant than the last time you came up here. What was it, about three months ago? Do you remember? No, it was actually um, two months, maybe, if that. Wow. Blaine definitely doesn't have a good concept of time, y'all. But that uh that that was a little bit murderous of a of a journey, right? I think that was like three hours and change. George Washington, mm First president. And the Deegan. Last bridge you want to go over. <laughs> Who the hell came up with the Deegan Expressway? Those are interesting questions here for today's podcast. So indeed, um Golden Carter is I believe that's your government. Is is this true? Yes, yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, I'm a junior. I was named after my father, and I believe that he was named after someone else in our family who was, you know, beloved and respected. So it took me a long time to grow into the name because, you know, people made jokes like, hey, Goldilocks and Golden Girls and all that. You know, the jokes just became redundant. It was like, shut the hell up. Kids but, are brutal. you know. Yeah. But I've grown into the name, and like I said, it's, it's a legacy. It's more about legacy, that Golden Carter name. So I'm definitely proud to uphold that. Yeah, that was actually another question I have right there. So the name obviously had meaning to you. A name like that, that's uh, big shoes to fill. I think a lot of celebrities, right, famous people generally have tough first names. I almost feel like parents give their kids, like, tough names to grow into a successful life. Yeah, but being named after my father, I just think it was out of love and whatever was going on in the 70s. No. Word. <laughs> I can't <laughs> knock my mom for that, but like I said, I'm all about carrying on that legacy. I'm I'm proud of the Carter name. Full of gold indeed. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's backspin for a second. So Golden and I don't have an extensive history like my previous guests, but we have a mutual connection through social media. Shout out to Ronnie. Right. And he's become a major supporter of the movement, of the show. And, you know, he's he's got his own movement, of course, indeed. I think um, it's changed hands a couple of times. And, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the, in the show, but his passion and knowledge for music has linked us. I think this man could probably fit right into um, somewhat of a music historian himself, right? Not a stretch? Yes, yes. Always creative, always entertaining there in the chat room on Twitch. This man definitely is an extended family indeed, like I said on the onset of the show. So so what say you, sir? Is this your first podcast? This is my first official podcast. Something that I've always wanted to do is something that I manifested. And it always came from people asking me, have you ever been on the radio before? Did I do radio? I'm like, no, it's like you have a really great speaking voice. Got to get it in. And so I never really looked into it trying to do any type of broadcast. Insert the platform, playing radio, bringing people together one podcast at a time. Man definitely has a good voice for it. My personal experience, this is the first series of podcasts I've ever done. And, you know, throughout the years, people always used to tell me I had a good voice think just about everybody doesn't like their own voice yeah right and so you you know you start putting it out there and doing what you do be it a, a presentation answering machine whatever it is you start getting used to your voice and then once you realize the potential um 
why not, right? Why not go for it? So I think the voice is rather golden, if I may say so myself. Hey, it's always room for improvement. That's right. One episode at a time. So let's talk a little bit about some music inspiration, since I do indeed consider you a music historian. So first love, like how did it really start for you? You know, just growing up at home, um, being raised by my mother and primarily my grandmother also, rest their soul, they were really into oldies, like the Motown era, the Stax Records era, where you had the Staple Singers, you had Al Green, you know, Millie Jackson. Like my grandmother, she used to always play the Staple Singers, or um, I Say a Prayer for You by Aretha Franklin. And I know one of her songs, one of her favorite songs was I'll Take You There. And she would just play that endlessly. On repeat. On on repeat. Wasn't easy to repeat on vinyl back then, by the way. No. You had to wait for the arm to pick up. But there was always an endless supply of music in our home. Crates. Crates and vinyls. So Yeah, you had to keep those nice and fresh. Keep them in the in the sleeves. <laughs> I think I think it was definitely beneficial growing up with an old soul. No doubt that that era is is very special and and, and dear in my heart as well. Uh, I think you touched on the Motown era. Shout out Barry Gordy and his movement and everything he did in the early '60s. Yeah, I actually didn't even know. Shout out to Citro. I didn't know that Rick James, rest in peace, had a very early inspiration with Motown. Actually, probably I think it was '66, '67. Oh wow! Yeah, I that, didn't that even was know that. very surprising. You, you almost don't see that connection. Although we came back to Motown later in his career uh, for the Rick James that we know today, of course. Changed their whole sound, indeed. Yeah, so, I mean, your roots were very early, definitely a lot earlier than mine. Uh, for me, aside from the luxury of having an older brother and you know him playing stuff in the house and my father, also um, being a music historian, absolutely, playing a lot of rock you know, from the 70s, some of his favorites, as I said on a few sets, uh, Chicago, The Doors, certainly, Eric Clapton of Cream. But growing up in the in the 80s, you know, I, I heard all this stuff in my ear, was basically tuned to it, but then hip-hop really was my first love. That's when I can honestly say that, you know, not that I purchased my own stuff, because, you know, you ain't purchasing an album at 10 years old, but, you know, I can recall my first bootleg cassette bought in Parkchester, my mom <laughs> picked up um she picked up two she picked up the nice and smooth and the damn thing change cassette and the uh low end theory from tribe called quest um a little bit late in the game so that that's about 91 for those of you who are tallying up but ever since i got those albums that really inspired me because it's different hearing it on the radio in your parents house in the living room or whatever right but you have your own album and your own cassette player you could listen to it at your own freedom. If you didn't like something, you could fast forward. Yeah, fast forward. There was no easy skip, you know, with talking cassettes. <laughs> and then, you know, I just fell in love. Now, those albums, specifically Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory, very deeply rooted in jazz. So for me, I just instantly became, now, let me just, disclaimer, we're talking about bootleg cassettes, right? So there were no album liners, but... I went ahead and started to buy my own stuff for my allowance for like, I guess, doing laundry and throwing out garbage, whatever it was I was doing at 11. I had the luxury of being very close to SOS DJ Specialty in Castle Hill. So anybody in the Bronx definitely knows that place. SOS DJ Specialty. Shout out to the BX. Oh, man. 
that place was full of a lot of treasures. So a lot of mixtapes, a lot of stuff, um, albums I bought, maxi singles. Remember maxi singles? Yep. So at that point, I would buy cassettes and, you know, rip open the plastic. You smell that nice, fresh album. And then once you get that open, you had the credits. So you had anybody who participated at any capacity in putting that, that album together you had the chance to see. So it usually state governments, you had like a first initial and last name. And that's how I started really a form of digging and just knowing my history. So they would also shout out whoever inspired them, certain artists. So I took note. I would take notes. I'd literally have like a notebook of, you know, if it was a Ghostface album, like who inspired him, what his government was. And, you know, if he had um, a writing project, right, if it wasn't his, I would say, oh, damn, you know, so-and-so's name was on this, that means he, he wrote it. These little behind-the-scenes things, I definitely got from my dad the passion of, I guess, the history and background of things. So this is a very long story, but my point is um, that's what led me to backspin, as I like to say. So to get into jazz, to get into soul, so the, especially the, the 93 era where, you know, Reza came in with the Wu-Tang, and sampling a lot of soul music. I mean, you know, Kanye could say he originally soul in hip hop. That that's a damn lie, right? So let's credit shout out Reza and, and a few others who've done that, paved the way before him. No disrespect to Kanye, especially his first three albums. But I'm just saying, the facts are facts, right? Now speaking of Kanye, the first time I was introduced to him, because remember he was always a producer first. Absolutely, and um, Rockefeller. I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Chicago. She's a female artist, Shauna. She was signed to Ludacris, yes. DTP. Yeah, she was a featured uh, vocalist, absolutely. Kanye and No ID were producers on her first album, a rap duo from Chicago called Infamous Syndicate. Her uh, partner was uh, Miss Tifa, who was a, a radio personality on Chicago on WGCI. Okay. So they had a group called Infamous Syndicate, and their first album was called Changing the Game. They was signed to Relativity Records when Ooh. Bone Thugs and Harmony was there and 8-Ball and MJG and 3-6 Mafia. Fat Joe was on that label, too. Right. And I was a big fan of Relativity Records and all the artists because mainly they were all from the Midwest. And Yeah, this guy's a big Bone Thugs and Harmony guy. Like we, we shared that offline a few weeks back. Like I said, by the time this podcast come out and when my fame listen, they'll tell you, like, Bone Thugs and Harmony is everything to me. For I'm sure. very biased when it comes to regional hip hop, like Midwest is the best. But anyway, back to the Kanye story. He was a producer on that first album that came out in '99. So before even before anybody even heard of him on Rockefeller, that's before the Blueprint. Yeah, yeah, he was he produced her first album. That's good history right there. I didn't know a lot of what he just said. Um, no ID actually was the mentor of Kanye. For those who don't know, No ID was involved very early in the 90s on Common's first and second album. Big time producer right there, for sure. Like I said, man, history, you're going to get a lot of history, I think, between the combined minds of Carter and myself. Uh, Mr. Blue certainly is not exempt from that, but this is these are the guys I resonate with. Um, people who know not just the, the song title, not just a BPM of a track, or how it fits, right? It's the influences, what inspires that track, and where it came from and who was involved on that project and, and where it's from, right? Yep. It's not even so much the lyrics that you hear, it's the instrumentation. It's like, okay, where did it come from? And a lot of what we listen to today, it actually comes from jazz samples. Yeah. And old soul samples, they're just either sped up or slowed down. 
That's exactly the point. That, that's I what I was getting if at. A lot of younger artists today, if they actually study where the beats that they rap over and produce, they'll find that they're really not doing too much anything new under the sun. It's already been done. It's just being done in a different way. Everything's a cycle. Music is certainly no exception. And that's said about everything. Uh, movies, fashion, everything is just cyclical. My dad taught me that lesson like in 93. He's like, yeah, you think Timberland's new? Timberland's been around forever. Yeah, he started just like Timberland. He started with Devontae Swing. Well, They've been out that, since the, the boots, 80s. But yeah, that's a good point. So, t- so Timberland for me, if you've listened to past shows of mine that involved anything with Timberland, I was probably his biggest musical advocate in the Northeast. Anything that he did, I knew about. Any artists that he produced for, I know about. My catalog is pretty deep. I actually put two tribute mixes um, up on blatantradio.com. The first one was uh, Soft Old Tim's. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fun play on, on the word. And um, I think the second one was, was Hard Tim's. I, I forget what it is. There's two. I did them a couple of years back. It's probably worth a, a revisit. I actually have a show concept that I'm thinking about. But to your point, Carter, yes, Devontae Swing Records in 93, I believe it was. Uh, and he's from Virginia Beach. Um, just like a lot of people, Teddy Riley, Pharrell, Knotts. Virginia movement's big. Man, shout out to Teddy Riley. When he dropped with the New Jack Swing era, like, that did it for me. Like, we knew about it, you know, through Keith Sweat and Heavy D, but when Teddy Riley and Guy, like, that whole, his whole music soundscape was like, it was like a movies. You know, like, his production sounded like movie soundtracks. But was but, on movie soundtracks, too. And it made you feel good. Like, you wanted to get up and dance. Like, you cannot sit and listen to a Teddy Riley track, even if you can't dance anymore. But like I say, he made everybody get up and feel good and just dance. Yeah, he definitely added that swing into hip-hop and R&B at that time. He had his own sound. I mean, it's a big deal to have your own defining sound in music, right? To to trailblaze your own path, right? So definitely shout-out to Teddy Riley. Definitely shout-out to Virginia. Definitely shout-out to Timbaland, as as Carter was saying. Um, Yeah, they, they started with Devontae Swing. In fact... There was a group called The Basement, right? That had Genuine on it. Um, that had definitely had Missy on it, Timbaland. I'm probably forgetting one one other artist, but they were signed to Devontae Swing. Um, there was a bit of drama that happened um, that I won't get into on this podcast, but things happen for reasons, right? Um, that drama happened. They left the band, and the rest is history. And I supported that whole Missy, Aaliyah, Timberland, that was a beautiful era. Absolutely. Genuine, like all of that Especially stuff. Especially when my man Genuine dropped. Pony, oh, goodness. But the beats, though, right? Like the, the, the concept, the guy, what that guy had going on, adding crickets, you know, baby the babies sounds. in the background, yeah. <laughs> like nobody did that. Again, trailblazing, having your own sound, something in the Virginia Beach water. But, you know, Timberland, he actually recorded that with some of those beats, like, the, you know, doing the dice and all that stuff. He did that with his own voice. Yeah. I was like, wow, because I seen a video on YouTube at him actually simulating one of the beats that he did. Yeah. I'm like, this guy is a freak of nature. Yeah, he'd add, he would add beatboxing, subtle beatboxing into his beats. Um, anything that was a supportive element in sound, like he, he just dropped in tastefully too. Yeah, I, l- I love his bass and snare patterns. Like, I can okay. spot a Timberland beat from anywhere. I, I know my it. My man, absolutely. That's my guy, man. At the time, like in the late 90s when he really took off, when he got down with, with obviously, Jay-Z, when that 
partnership happened, he really got out there. I mean, not to say that he wasn't out there with Aaliyah's project and Missy's stuff. How about the stuff that Missy and him do? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Creativity's through the roof, right? But after he really, really got out there, then he started, like, the comparisons were like, oh, Swiss versus Timbaland. No disrespect no, to Swiss. It's Tim, no comparison. Uh, yeah, exa- I'm with you on that, man. Tim blew his sound out the water, in my opinion. Uh, Swiss beats, I think his production is, I wouldn't say it's like cartoonish, but it kind of puts Casio you in, keyboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> neep, neep, neep. <laughs> when you when Timberland come on, you get into doom. Snares, like, snares drop me wild. It's theatrical. Yes. It's like a theatrical sound that he has. I was so drawn to that. I'm like, man, there's actually a version of... um. Uh, what's the track name? So I'm not good. DJ Blayton's not very good with track names, believe it or not. Man, I can't think of that track name. But there's a version of it that that is is it got scrapped from the album. It's an extended um, beat of it, and it like goes into this crazy Jurassic Park like sound. I'm like, what the? Like, I thought Tim was crazy in his earlier work, but then that put it like on a next level i remember that track name and i'll definitely shout it out in the next podcast i like that one track that rare track that you played death of a player oh with, with i was brother, like wow Sean. i never heard of it and then you know he also produced a ludicrous first single yeah um fat rabbit fat, when he was, was just uh, about to say, chris lover rabbit. lover down in atlanta a dj dun, he produced dun, that let me dun, touch dun. it let me grab it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know what this is like how it comes full circle we were just talking about soul samples. That has a little soul sample in the background. If you hear like it's like a, like a oh, I have to like listen to that again. It's crazy. Yeah. Like so, my ear, the way it's trained, I've always picked the part. Even before, so let me let me step back for a second. I went to the Institute of Audio Research in 2003 here in New York. Shout out to the Village for those of you who know, and that just expanded my ear to like how I I really um, pick up on things. But before that. I always used to hear a track and, and dissect rhythms. I used to hear, as Carter said, bass line, a snare, a hi-hat, just a random sound in a, in a track. And I'm like, one thing about Tim's sound, his drum patterns were complex. They were Fair. complex, and, and they always switched up, and he never really got like lazy on beats. He probably has ADHD. I think I joked about that on the set. But like, it was amazing. And like, I used to, I used to memorize his drum patterns and stuff, and it was just like almost like a sickness. That's how I actually choose the music that I listen to. It's not. It has nothing to do with the lyrics. Like I could care what you're talking about, Yo, what you're singing crazy. or rapping about. We are cut from the same. I club. listen to instrumentation, vocal arrangement, instrumentation. Yes, yes. that draws yes. to that too. Same thing. That's crazy. Like I said, extended family. Yeah, everything is muscle memory for me when it comes to music. And that's like for me when I first hear a track, it's definitely the beat first and the vocal arrangement, and all the stuff that's happening musically. I might get into the lyrics like the third time around. I might not even pay attention to a single lyric until like the third go at it if I like the track enough. I'm more listening to the vocal as a part of the beat. Right. But I really didn't start paying attention to lyrics and cadences and delivery until actually the first. Well, not to go too far off track, but the first two CDs that I ever owned was Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style and Bone Thugs and Harmony creeping on a come up. And listening to how Snoop delivered his lyrics and words and then listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony because I like that fast rap, that double, triple time rhyming, the, the, 
the, it's hard what to they follow. call the staccato flow in the syllables. I can pick up on a song with fast lyrics quicker than I can pick up on a slow song. That's crazy. So Northeasterners definitely had a hard time following Bone Thugs and Harmony. I mean, I don't want to speak for all of us, but that was hard for us. And I'm I'm pretty much a loner when it comes to supporting Bone, because like I said, the Northeast don't really they don't they not into it. They didn't. It was they hard. don't understand it. But I mean, I've always kind of went to the left of what everybody else was into anyway. But when Bone you, Thugs and Harmony dropped and they came with that that triple time flow, I was like, man, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I just fell in love with it. And then I started learning how to do it myself, like by studying their albums. Oh snap! Stay tuned. Carter's about to spit bars on the next podcast. Yeah, coming soon, coming soon. <laughs> so let's switch gears for a second, bro. Let, let's talk about the Chateau Carter thing that, that you started up. People want to know, is what's this Chateau Carter movement and what inspired it? That pretty much came off a whim, I want to say in mid to late March. It's kind of a playoff of the word Chateau, which is like home or castle, and then Carter being my last name. And then it was also celebrating a milestone recently of me and my wife purchasing our first home. So he's like, okay, we have a house now. Let's call it something. So I'm, I was thinking, okay, Chateau Carter. You know, it's it's our chateau. You know, because everybody know your home is your sanctuary. It's your everything. It is. That's beautiful. That's and actually then I want to do something to represent that. Right. And I was like, you know what? You know, I like T-shirts. I like logos. I was like, let me go with Chateau Carter. Because it's actually not my first time going into, you know, Designing and fashion. Yeah. About 20 years ago, me and my oldest brother, shout out to my brother Mike, me and him used to sell uh, T-shirts in nursing scrubs, medical um, uniforms. Really? And we used to hand paint them with the 3D uh, paint, and we used to sell them. Because back in Philly, uh, there was a, I don't know if it was Philly-based, but it was a clothing line out in the early 2000s called Mesquine. I don't know if you ever heard of them. I, I did not, know. Well, Mesquine, that designer used to take, like I said, the 3D paints and hand paints, and he used to put fingerprints and stuff on the clothes. I've seen it. Again, yeah. I'm bad with names. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much just everyday clothes just with paint designs all over them, and we did it ourselves, and we used to sell them at, you know, vending events, and it worked for a while, but like I said, you know, fashion changes so rapidly. Yeah. So that was the first that was the first time I had dipped into fashion and then around probably late 2011 early 2012 I tried to do hats. I actually had a logo for those hats but it actually resembled a well-known brand, an established brand. So to avoid that, you know, trouble. copyright infringement, I just scrapped it and I was like yeah. I was discouraged for a while so I was with the Chateau Carter I'm like let me just do study a little more and just try to come up with something more original. So and it holds meaning. It actually yeah. holds pretty good meaning. That's dope, man. So y'all y'all heard it. Y'all heard it here first. Man is a meme lord. Man is a designer. Oh, the memes. Let's get into that. Let's indeed get into that. So once again, you know, half part of half meme lord. Well, that all started with Instagram. I first came. I first started using Instagram. I want to say like 2010, 2011. I didn't know what it was. I had heard about it, but everybody was like, you should get on there. And I just seen it was just like people just posting pictures. And I'm like, I I, can't, I didn't catch on. What's that all about? Yeah. So then I started, you know, looking what everybody else was doing. And I was like, okay. So at first I would, you know, take selfies and then use like filters and different effects to like change it and stuff. Then that started picking up traction. And then I started seeing people posting uh, pictures 
random pictures with captions on it. Right. I'm like, what? I was like, and okay. the meme was born. What's, yeah, like I didn't know they were called memes. Right. I just seen bitch pictures with captions. <laughs> right. I was like, this is so corny. Somebody had to come up with a name for yeah, it. Yeah, right? but then my niece and nephew started doing it, so I started listening, looking at what they were doing, and the stuff that they were posting were was hilarious. <laughs> right. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? And he was like, Yo, unk, you gotta you gotta try this stuff. So then I started getting into it. I'm already I'm like I'm already off balance because my family, you know, they're just full they're full of dark humor anyway. Dark humor and storytelling. So it was just natural to fall into it. But then I started posting memes and before you know it, at one time I had like fifty thousand followers. Damn. At one at one point. But then it was like I had to tone it down because I started getting messages talking about, well, I posted this and I made this meme first. I started this hashtag like somebody was ready to sue me over the hashtag petty gang. Because then, you know, people started calling memes petty and petty this and petty that. And, you know, once I toned it down a little, then the followers started falling off because, you know, offensive jokes and anything you know anything that's follow or offensive that's what pretty much sells and grabs attention on instagram yeah controversy sells yeah so once i toned it down you know i I lost those numbers but because i've been doing it so long you know certain people just know me for it and like i said i still do it every now and then but i don't go as hard as i used to right because now you really got to watch what you say and post that's everything it's unfortunate right this day and age it's uh it's tough. Like, even Charles Barkley, like, this is a random segue, you know, talk about quitting. Talk about not doing um, the NBA uh, inside show anymore, inside stuff, whatever that, that show is called. Again, I'm not good with names. <laughs> Third time. But, like, you know, a Charles Barkley can't really be a Charles Barkley anymore, right? I mean, when you take that away, it's like, what's the fun in that? Everything is so sensitive. It's a different day. Everybody wants freedom of speech, but they don't realize it comes with a price. It does. It's well put. But then again, it's, you know, you want people to keep it real, but when you do, you get offended. Yeah. I mean, pick a struggle and then and, and deal with it. I'm with you. I'll support that movement. So anything else you want to talk about, Carl? Any of the topics you want to want to cut into? No, I'm just here to you know answer whatever questions you may have. Shoot, I don't shoot. I I don't know what to ask off the top. I'm just here for the you know just hey give me what you got. Here for the bourbon and the podcast, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the music a little bit, a little bit more. Um, last week we had '80s themed musical treats, starting off with yours truly on Wednesday, October sixth for Volume Six of the Retro '80s Music Series. That be modern tracks with those good 80s synthy vibes. Then Mr. Blue went straight up 80s on us as a part of his Blue Thursdays bi-weekly experience. Oh, man, Mr. Blue go wild every time, man. Like, it's always, always going to be a vibe. It's always a vibe when he get on because he just go off the top and he's Indeed. just always upbeat. Yeah. It's like, how can, you, how, how can you top that? Yeah, hopefully we won't have to censor anything that Blue does because that indeed would take the fun out of it. That would take the battery out of the back for sure. So um, maybe let's talk about, I don't know, Cardi, you've been listening for a while, man. So you have any favorite sets, anything that you want to maybe mention, call out? Well, going back to how I became, you know, jumped on the the, the, blatant, the blatant train, uh, 
I believe it was one of the Sade sets mm. that you had posted last year. That's that's close to the heart. Ronnie bro. had put me on it at. Mm-hmm. She asked me that I like Sade. I'm like, who don't love Sade? <laughs> Word. Even though I know Sade is the group, and you know she's she she's the lead she's singer, the lead vocalist. But yep. It and was that, one that's of those half of her sets. Middle name, by the way. Yeah, it was one of those sets. And then uh, what really made me become a fan was one song that you played. I, it was Eight Mounds by Lupa Gang Gang Quartet. I think I uh, messaged you and I asked you. I was like, "What's the name of that song?" And from there, because what I do is if I'm logged on on Blatant Radio Live, I usually look at the music player to the see title. The, the title. Yeah. And what I do is I screenshot the songs that I want to hear and play back. I want to see a screenshot list. Because I always, I mean, I don't keep it, but I'm always looking for something to take from each set that you play. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to know what resonated with you. And you, you definitely tell me, but yeah, shout out to Lupa Lupa Gang Gang Quartet. They're from Belgium. That's a, the funny story about that, real quick one. Uh, so I went to visit Belgium and Berlin. Uh, wow, this was two months before the pandemic. It was January of 2020. And while I did that, first city I went to was Belgium. And while I was out there, I looked up on social media, on Facebook. I was like, you know, what's, what's happening right now? I know Berlin is like the music capital, right? I'm going to get music there. And they're what's, very big hip-hop heads there, too. Big time. But don't sleep on Belgium, man. Don't sleep on, on Brussels. So I was out there and I was like, what's happening? And unbeknownst to me, like I saw them advertised at a local bar that was three blocks away from my hotel. Literally went there, no expectation. I just had nothing to do. That was the first night I landed. So I, you know, I was all jet lagged or whatever. I was like, let me just go there and see what's up. They killed it. They were like some local band, like teenagers. And dude, I, I was blown away. I was like, yep. If uh, if this blatant radio thing takes off, I'm definitely going to support their stuff. So that that was an honorable mention. It just blows my mind that artists or singers from foreign countries just seem to have a lot more soul than the American artists. Would you agree if I said that I think it's because their way of life is more simpler? It's like they, they really take soul very seriously in perfecting their music. I've never thought of it that way, but that that's that'll make another podcast. Because the kind, <laughs> the type of music that they play and the way they produce, you don't hear that anymore over here. You yeah, just don't. That that part I will I will agree with. Like you know, I, I always promote Hiatus Coyote. That that's one of my personal favorites. They're from Napalm, Australia. Napalm, I Melbourne. love you. Napalm, lead singer. Yes, that band is so dope, and Napalm also does stuff on her own solo projects that are amazing. There's a new artist called Alicia Joy that's worth checking out from Melbourne, but I'm picking on Australia for a second, but I support what Carter's saying. Soul out there is like real, especially mm-hmm. lately. I don't know where it's coming from, but yeah, that might might be a way of life thing, man. Who knows? And another um, soul singer, I, I, is she, I think she's from Australia. She might be New Zealand. Um, Kylie Aldis. Dope. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. Crazy vibes, man. Yeah. All right. So Sade set it off for you. I'd ask me anything about Sade. I know. And then the electronica sets. <laughs> My it's man. like, wow. Good, good stuff, man. All right. So let's talk about some, some upcoming shows, teasers, and things like that. So Full House 9.0 is coming soon. Just confirmed it. Uh, special guest Matt Stella alongside Savino Stallone, who is making his debut here at Blatant Radio. Yes, yes. Friday, October 15th, 2021. 
Ladies Night set. That's a concept that I have in the works. Um, probably going to do that alongside of Mr. Blue. Uh, the Smiths, Rapper's Delight. More on that coming soon. I'll definitely talk about that uh, in future podcasts. Another concept I have is beats, rhymes alike. I'll explain all these concepts at a future time. But trust me, you're going to want to tune to some of these things. I don't know where they come from. Um, God is just hitting me left and right with concepts and ideas. So very blessed on that front. Hopefully you all enjoy the finished product of these concepts. Um, of course, more podcasts will be on deck, more uh, guest features as we progress down this journey. Go ahead, shoot us over an email, blainradio at gmail.com. Hit us up on chat, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. Wherever you go, just hit us up. We're there. We out there. And now for the regularly scheduled program. So Blue Thursdays has a bi-weekly cadence every other Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern. DJ ENS will continue with his fantastic galactic music series broadcasting live from his home studio. Of course, backed by his awe-inspiring visual setup. Yours truly, DJ Blayton, will continue to rock on Wednesdays as part of the weekly music eargasm. And be sure to follow my man Carter here, Half Carter, Half Meme Lord on Instagram. Nice, nice, lively stuff going on right there. Hey, I'm just trying to leave your day better than you found it. Need to put that on a t-shirt, bro. I just might. And until next time, always remember to keep the mind open, spirit free, and ears waxed. Stay tuned, boppers.